You're listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. All right, if you have your Bibles with you, you can look uh, at... uh, those verses that we have in our order of worship. If you do not have your Bibles, everything's printed right here uh, for uh, you in regard to what we're going to be reading from Scripture passages here uh, in that. So here we are in the last core value, uh, last sermon in our core value series. We've been preaching through those things at our church that are very important to us here at Chelsea Press. And this value that we're going to talk about today is the last value of on purpose. See, we hold to and we celebrate the core values of our church and we value what we're discussing today as an overflow of what we hold to be true at our church. Meaning, we've talked about the gospel. We've talked about being a part of the city and communities. We've talked about the idea of um, uh, serving without expectation. We've talked about the idea of seeing all of life as worship. But today, when we think about those things, we're talking about the idea that because of those things and when we dwell on those things and contemplate those things, we feast and we celebrate and we extend those beliefs by way of hospitality and true fellowship. It's like we can't hold it inside and the exuberance and the excitement that we have when we get together and we rally around these core values. That's what we're going to talk about today. It's not a long sermon today. Uh, but it is very important. So let's look at our verses for the day. We've got one from Acts, one from Romans, and one from First Peter, all of them talking about feasting and hospitality. Acts 2.42 says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Romans 12.13 says, Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And then the last one from 1 Peter 4 9 says, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father God, enlighten our minds today. Work on our hearts. May we treasure your word. May we seek what you would have us to see through your word. Help us to be people. Uh, that worship in spirit and truth and give us clarity on that truth today in Jesus name Amen so throughout his life according to many people especially the religious people Jesus seemed in their opinion to spend too much time at dinner parties it earned him the reputation of being a drunkard of being a glutton and the friend to the wrong sorts of people. That's the people, I mean, that's the Jesus that people don't talk about very often. And, and that's the ministry model that few churches follow. And that's the Jesus that, as a pastor, I've come to fall in love with. See, from the gatherings in, our, in, in my driveway to, to the gatherings that do, do different people's homes, uh, to small group when we eat together, even the barbecuing, the fire at the foothills. We have created a presence here at Chelsea Press, a presence in our community, and served a lot of folks 
over the last few years. It's it's been a part of our it's become a part of our identity. It's who we are. Uh, it's it's what we do. And people keep asking, why are you doing this? If you show up to our gatherings, you're going to hear that question more than once. They're asking that, and really what they're saying is, are you trying to talk me into becoming a Christian? Are you trying to persuade me into coming to your church? Are y'all trying to get donations? That's another one we get a lot. And much to their surprise, we answer no. Why? I mean, why do we spend so much time and effort and money at our church dedicated to the gatherings that we do and the eating together that we do and making connections with people if there's no perceived return on investment? Well, I hope today's message clarifies and gets to the heart of why we here at Chelsea Press feast and fellowship and show hospitality even when we may never see people believe in Jesus or maybe if they never show up uh, or they show up at every gathering we do or maybe they never and, and never come to our church. So let's look at our points for the day. You see in uh, the order of worship you have the sermon outline. We have the fellowship experienced by the followers, hospitality extended by believers, and then the unconditional nature of hospitality. So look, look, look at our first point here, the fellowship experienced by the believers. Look at our first verse that we had in our uh, reading of Scripture today. It says, uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. See, the early church saw the importance from the beginning of staying connected and sharing life. Now they, it says here, they centered on solid teaching, and that is so important. But the outpouring of that teaching and those beliefs that they had was fellowship and communion and sharing life together. See, feasting and hospitality are not the things that you hear a lot of sermons on today, but here's the interesting thing about the role of feasting and hospitality and the reason it's such a big deal in a church like ours. First of all, feasting, if you really understand it, for us, is not mostly about the food. I mean, we usually serve great food at our gatherings. We serve great food at our brunch. But it's first and foremost an understanding of a Godward celebration of just being together. See, good food and drink in abundance that it comes alongside our mission as a church as we appreciate and we enjoy God and His kindness to us. And when we understand that and experience that, we want to share that with others. Again, the heart of feasting is not the food itself, but, it, but it's the heart of the feasters. True feasting is bigger than food. It's infinitely bigger. See, in, in true feasting, God is at the center and His greatness and His grace toward us in Christ and experiencing that with those around us, whether we're followers or not, is really the heart of feasting. And for Christians, feasting is not just about eating a lot and drinking a lot. Here's the thing. There's nothing particularly Christian about eating and drinking more than usual about feasting. But what makes feasting a means of grace 
for nourishing of our soul is that we're celebrating Jesus together in our faith. Whether it's Thanksgiving, or it's Easter, or birthday, or anniversary, or it's just one of our regular get-togethers that we do, or our gatherings. When we feast as Christians, we celebrate the bounty and the kindness of our Creator and Redeemer, what He has bestowed upon us by way of good gifts. That's why feasting in Christ is not just a physical event, but it's deeply spiritual. But here's the other thing about it. Here's the flip side. We also need to understand that when we eat and when we receive uh, the food in fellowship with Thanksgiving, we don't have to feel the burden of having to think about Jesus the whole time or to do or think about Christian stuff while we're getting together to the point where we can't enjoy ourselves or food or even enjoy the people around us in a real way. Uh, most of the people that show up that are strangers to our church, for our gatherings, and, and when we eat together, they're like, when are you going to preach to us? I'm like, I'm not going to preach to you. Like, what's the catch? Because we must remember this. See, God made us for different rhythms of life. There, there's moments that, we have, that we're called to intently focus on uh, God in terms of word and prayer, like moments right now. There's times for that. There's times he calls us to that. Uh, and then there's other moments that we are called to focus on eating and drinking and other people. And God says, that's okay. That's what I call you to. Because here's the thing, you can, when you experience this kind of life, you'll want others to experience the same thing. And we know this hospitality breeds hospitality. It's kind of like when you have a fabulous experience at a restaurant. What's the number one thing you want to do? Tell other people about it because you want them to experience the same thing. This is what we're talking about here. Let's look at point two. That's probably my longest point today, so bear with me. You're like, I thought that was short, sir. <laughs> uh, let's look at hospitality extended by believers. It says this, contribute to the needs of the saints, and then seek to show hospitality. See, we have this, this idea here where we're, 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 there, there's twofold here that we see going on. See, serving the needs of the saints, those are the people the other believers around you and showing hospitality, meaning the other people around you that may or may not be believers, they go hand in hand. Both are about pursuing people, their needs, and things that they don't know are even their needs. Here's the thing, people don't really know in our society that they need hospitality until they receive it. It's like most people nowadays don't know they need community until they experience it. One of the number one things I've heard over the last few years at our church is that people have told me this over and over again and said, listen, I didn't think I needed a church family, but now I know I do. I didn't know I needed a community, now I know I do. This is kind of how it works. And this verse is a reminder of both uh, a reminder that we're not to just be about meeting needs as they come about, but anticipating the needs of people before they even ask or before sometimes they even know they have a need. Let's look at point three, the unconditional nature of hospitality. Here's the interesting one. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Let's be honest, hospitality is a one-way street. It just is. It means you're constantly extending resources in a generous way but you're really expecting nothing in return. It means including folks also 
that, that cannot pay you back and you know they can't give you anything in return. Not only that, but extending, um, extending hospitality and generosity to folks that don't look like you, folks that you don't have a common interest in, folks that may not share your values, folks that don't vote like you, <laughs> folks that are very, very different from you. And that's why this verse reminds us to do it without grumbling because that is hard if you really grapple with it and you're really extending hospitality in the way that God is asking you to do. Knowing that sometimes and oftentimes you get nothing in return. Not even a thank you. And it's so easy to be resentful when that happens. It's so easy to think I did this for them and they won't even do this for me. So why do we do it? Because if we don't understand this part, we're not going to be able to do hospitality without grumbling. The why of the why that we extend hospitality to others is simple. We have freely, from God, received freely the grace that we have and the gifts that we have, so we ought to give to others unconditionally and freely in the same way that we have been the recipient. So, that way we don't resent people because we have been recipients of more than we can ever imagine and we rest in that. We have to remember that because we are people of finite resources. God has infinite resources and he freely pours those out. Let me end with this. Hospitality gives us an excellent opportunity for us to share life experiences and even our personal history with one another. I mean, when you think about it, it places us in like this social, this social contact with other people. And it's made to not just be something where you, you do it and you remain unchanged. Like, oh, my belly's full now, that's great. But it's made to build deep relationships. For non-Christians to really value Christianity, for them to really value Christianity, they need to see it up close in life, in the behaviors of authentic Christians. See, one of the best strategies out there for drawing people to the faith in our day and age is just to invite them into our homes. To simply throw parties. This is why Jesus did it so much in his ministry. In this way, non-Christians can get up close and personal with us. It's a chance for us to show them who we really are. Not the hypocrites they think that we are. And sometimes we are. And not the, not, the, not the people that have it all together, which we know we don't. But it's a chance to show them who we really are. Sometimes it's just to show them what they think about Christians. Followers of Jesus is just simply not true. It's a chance for them to see the reality of Jesus in our lives. To, see us, to realize that we're just real, broken, messed up people just like them, and we're not going to hide the fact. And when we need to repent, we'll repent. When we ask forgiveness, we're going to ask forgiveness. When we blow it, we're going to own up to it. And when we begin to do that in authentic relationships, that's what transforms them to the lives of unbelievers around us. See, we live in a world where people are finding it hard to find places where they belong. People nowadays have few, very few, real friends. There's a lack of authentic and lasting relationships in our society. And in general, I believe this, in general, I think the art of friendship and love your neighbor is dead.
And it's our job through the power of Jesus Christ to resurrect it. And hospitality is key to that. Hospitality enriches our lives and expands our fellowship and increases our understanding of what Jesus is doing in our community, specifically in the lives of the people in our community. This is why, and I'm ending with this, this is why every Sunday morning we practice this and we rehearse this. How? What do I mean by that? Well, we have brunch and communion every Sunday. And as I said before, here at Chelsea Press, we start at a table and we end at the table. Brunch reminds us that we are all welcome to God's family, the household of God around the family table. Communion reminds us of what Jesus has done in his life and death and resurrection to make that possible. Let's come to this table today. Remember these things we're talking about. And we go out today, let's extend that hospitality to the people around us and celebrate the fact that he has done this to make it possible and God has freely given us grace and peace and all the things that we can imagine to satisfy our souls and our bodies and that we may in turn extend that to other people. Let's pray. Father God, thank you uh, for today. We're just, uh, when we think about it, we're just surrounded by intoxicating beauty and fabulous things in the world that you get this with, like taste buds, where you could have just made everything vanilla. But you've given us taste buds and, and uh, senses to when we can soak it in. Help us to not be greedy with that and selfish with that. Help us to take those things. May they move our hearts that we may, out of an overflow of our satisfaction in you, live a life of generosity and feasting and hospitality. It's in Jesus' name I pray that made all that possible. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.